the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have got a puppet sci-fi filled episode at least uh, for for our movie and our tv show we are going to be doing a breakdown of the 1988 film mac and me that a lot of people i don't think even know about mac and me and maybe they only kind of know about it because it's it's kind of a joke (laughs) like a lot of people just you know it's 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 known as maybe one of the worst movies of all time maybe not that bad but it's but it's it's kind of in that conversation Mm -hmm. And then not known for being one of the worst of all times, but the uh, the sitcom Alf that was in the uh, late 80s and, and ended up in ended in the early 90s um, is another kind of classic alien puppet thing from our nostalgic time. And so uh, we are going to be doing a talk all about those. And then for our casting, we're kind of doing whatever the heck we want on that one. And we are doing a casting of the uh, Marvel property and the superhero team West Coast Avengers. Yeah. So, yeah, they really have nothing to do with puppets or aliens. They probably fought aliens at some time or another, but <laughs> that's as close to the time we get. We're just kind of doing whatever the heck we want on that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, Mac and me. Oh, <laughs> Alf. You know, it's good stuff. Why did why did we pick this stuff, John? I don't even remember. I mean, I watched Al- Mac and me and Alf when I was younger. Mm-hmm. What about you? I definitely watched both of them. I think we had Mac and me either recorded on a video from TV or we had the the actual, you know, VHS. Mm-hmm. So I know we watched it several times. Um, I do remember watching Alf on TV uh, quite a few times. So um, why we're doing it, I believe, is because we were being paid to do it. That's right. This episode is sponsored. If you guys have listened to multiple other episodes, you know that the Settlers Law Firm is the most out-of-this-world law firm that there is in the entire state of Georgia. (laughs) And uh, he really wanted us to do an ALF episode, and we're like, well, you know, we could totally tie in Mac and me and do that one. And so, um, yeah, so we're doing this one's for you, Jody. This one's for the Settlers Law Firm. In case you guys didn't know about it, if you are facing divorce, child custody, DUI arrest, or any other family or criminal matter, the Settlers Law Firm is there for you. And really only there for you if you live in the state of Georgia, (laughs) because that's where he practices. Uh, But you know what? If you live there or you get in trouble in Georgia, you call the Sellers Law Firm at 770-415-9848. I know I have. Hello. Uh, And so you should, too. Check them out at the Sellers Law Firm on all social media, uh, thesellerslawfirm.com. This is a law firm that helps families get back to what's most important to them. They are dedicated to help clients throughout the state of Georgia. At the Sellers Law Firm, you're not just a client. Your family, much like Alf wasn't just, you know, another alien that popped in the door. He became family and the Sellers Law Firm will treat you like Alf. That's a promise. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. well, we're going to we're going to I don't know. Let's just get into the movie. (laughs) I take that back, John. We are not going to go straight into uh, the movie. In fact, we're not going to go forward to that. We're going to go back in time. Please bring us back to 1988. (laughs) All right. Uh, The movie was released on August 12th of 1988. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week was Roll With It by Steve Winwood. Uh, 
Yeah, I like Steve Winwood quite a bit. I that that song doesn't come to my head like a lot of other ones, like Back in the High Life or some other like really classic Steve Winwood songs. Right. Um, but uh, I'm sure uh, it, I'm sure it's solid. If it's from if it's from yeah. the wood, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, topping the Nielsen ratings for that week is a classic sitcom, Cheers. Yeah, they dominated uh, the uh, sitcom ratings for a long time. Yep. Um, the, uh, New York Times bestseller, uh, is a Tom Clancy novel called The Cardinal, Cardinal of the Kremlin, which I've never read. I've read a few Tom Clancy novels, but not that one. Yeah, I've read one, and I think it was actually because you had it. You had uh, The Firm, um, and we had that book for a long that, time, I remember. That is not, uh, Tom Clancy. Well, damn it! <laughs> That's John Grisham, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> Crap! Yeah, then I don't think I've read any Tom Clancy. <laughs> okay. It's good. Read, uh, um, do you like the movie The Rent for, uh, Hunt, Hunt for Red October? Yeah, of course. Read the book. It's, it's, the book is not exactly like the movie. In fact, I prefer the movie to the book, but the book uh, is pretty good. Okay, cool. Video game players were probably playing a game called Altered Beast for the Sega Genesis, which is sort of a, it was just sort of a beat em up game. Okay. And I always like to end with one quirky fact and, uh, always like to bring the mood down. Literally the day before this movie came out, Al Qaeda was formed. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Damn. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Well, not too much happened that month. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's just let let's let this movie terrorize our <laughs> eyes and our ears, as opposed to talking more about Al Qaeda. How about that? All right. Let's go with that. All right, Mac and Me from 1988. This film was written and directed by Stuart Raffel. He's directed some classics like Ice Pirates and The Sea Gypsies and, of course, Tammy and the T-Rex. Uh, <laughs> Our definition of classics might be different. Yeah. He really hasn't done anything of quality. Like These are kind of like crappy like D-level cult movies. Now, I'm going to call out Corey and Zach right now. I, I saw that he, whatever Tammy and the T-Rex was, I, I was like, what the hell is that? So I watched the trailer, and it is this weird, like like I said, B, C, D level uh, cult kind of movie with Denise Richards and Paul Walker, where Paul Walker like is her boyfriend and dies and gets his brain put into a T-Rex. <laughs> really? It looks, it looks so terrible. But I'm going to call out Corey and Zach because they do like, you know, just the awfulest crappy movies. They do some good movies too, but they do some really bad cult classic kind of movies. I want them to do Tammy and the T-Rex for us. I think that would just be awesome because just watching the trailer, it made me want to like just go nuts. Uh, I just wanted to be like, oh dear God, this looks atrocious. So um, hopefully they'll do it. Hell, if they want to have me on, I'll watch it with them and we can talk (laughs) about it because it just looks that awful. Wow. Although, well, it does say comedy sci-fi, so maybe that'll help. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I doubt it. Um, Music in this film was done by Alan Silvestri. He is uh, an absolutely fantastic composer. He's done uh, most of the Avengers series, Back to the Future, Predator, Judge Dredd, which isn't really his big, you know, score thing, but also Forrest Gump, just a hundred of different credits. The Mm -hmm. guy actually is um, really uh, at the top of his field. Yeah. So I was going to say, and I will say the one thing I really won't complain about in this movie is the music. (laughs) I I was going to save it for the end, (laughs) but you're so right, dude. (laughs) The score, the score is on point with this. I mean, it's not even on point. 
it elevates this movie because <laughs> everything else is good. And, and, and we're bringing that up so early, but like the one thing I cannot complain about is that score. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, cinematography is done by Nick McLean, who has done uh, quite a bit of stuff that we've already watched, or not that we've already, things that we've watched. We haven't talked about it yet, but mm-hmm. um, things like uh, Spaceballs, Short Circuit, Goonies, uh, Staying Alive. So some kind of like good 80s classics right there. Uh, the cast for this movie, uh, Janet Cruz, who is the mom, uh, was played by Christine Ebersole. She was the mother in the movie Richie, R- Richie Rich mm-hmm. with um, Macaulay Culkin that most people remember. She was in Amadeus. She was in Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, so she's definitely the biggest actor out of this film. Yeah. Um, Michael, the older brother, was played by Jonathan Ward. We have talked about him before because he was uh, Zach, the blonde haired guy who got shrunk down in the movie Fern Gully. Yeah. That was his voice on that one. He was also in Charles in Charge for a little reoccurring character. Eric, uh, like our main kid, was was done by Jade Caligori. He has done really nothing else. Uh, but I do want to call out that Jade Caligori um, was actually a wheelchair chair user in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, he apparently he had uh, spina bifida. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Courtney, who is uh, the older sister of Debbie, and I didn't even really look who Debbie was. Debbie was just another child actor. But Courtney was uh, played by Tina Caspery, Caspery, and she uh, was in Can't Buy Me Love, that movie, if you remember that one, mm-hmm. also Teen Witch, some other things. So Okay. And then really no one else worth bringing up in the rest of the cast, and, and most of these people. The only know. person who, I, and I looked at the cast before I started watching the movie, mm-hmm. I know I recognized Danny Cooksey, because he was on... Uh, he was in Terminator 2. I believe he was in Salute Your oh. Shorts. He's the redheaded kid. Oh, that redheaded kid. Yeah. yeah. And then I missed him in the movie. Okay. Now, wow. I was hmm. watching. I watched. It's not really a spoiler, but I watched this movie with my son, and I can uh-huh. tell about 20 minutes in, he was done with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so he started like, because we were because uh, uh, we were watching it in my bedroom because my dad was watching something else in the in the living room and after uh, a while he just kind of wanted to like wrestle around a little bit like kids do yeah. <laughs> and so i kind of missed parts of the movie so i may have missed it when he was on uh maybe i i you know what i i think i might remember where he was but it doesn't really matter but i do i totally remember danny cooksey that you call him out yeah uh, all right so uh let's get into the movie we start with a title card in space and we start in this uh foreign planet with these kind of humanoid looking aliens and i can't go any further john <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I can't go any further about this movie. I have to stop it right now. Um, but, like, the look of these aliens. Holy Christ. <laughs> <laughs> like, the puppets look so awful. Like, it is a joke how bad they are. And they, they really have, like, terrible facial features and facial, you know, they, they don't look human. Or not even, like, they don't look real. Yeah. They just look like skinny people in suits that, like, they can't even move their face properly. Yeah. Like, and they look so bad. Like, you know, what production designer, like, who creates this stuff, looked at that and, and their, at that product and be like, yes, that's my perfect alien. That's what I want. Like, oh. I don't know. I mean, what what's unsettling is 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 is, your, is the fact that the face does not move at all. Yeah. The mouth is stuck in an unfortunate position. And the <laughs> eyes don't move. And that's, what's, oh. that's what guilts me. I mean, that's what, yeah. that's what makes it obviously fake, but it's also one of the most unsettling things. I actually forgot before I started watching the movie that there were more aliens in this than just Mac. 
I'm with you. I forgot. I forgot. And they got a not a lot, but they got plenty of screen time. Yeah. Uh, that family. And I forgot. How, and then then it also kind of clicked like, oh, God, the, they are nightmare fuel and a half. <laughs> like these aliens look so creepy <laughs> and then not in a, not in a good way, just in like a terrible haunt your dreams. kind of. I way. did. As soon as I saw it, I did kind of remember. And it's going to be hard to describe this auditorially. Um, Is it the, the way that he, he moves? The way he moves, yes. Oh my god! <laughs> the way he kind of like he like he, you can't he, he like it. he leads with his shoulder, like he leads yeah. out with his shoulder and bobs back and forth. <laughs> uh, it's the same thing for you. I was like, oh my god! Uh, that, it kind of gets flashbacks <laughs> of just like that thing moving and how it uh, <laughs> it doesn't look natural. So uh, yeah, we see the family. We see that they do this little weird, like kind of whistle, and they bring like the hands into like a V formation and kind of whistle. That's kind of how they communicate. With the way their mouth is shaped, it looks like the only thing they can do is whistle. Yeah, yeah, they can't like they don't really have a, other language all that much or anything. They just they just kind of whistle. Yeah, they kind of stuck in that unfor as you said unfortunate position. <laughs> They're just kind of like an O, like um, never mind permanent O face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need to go any further. <laughs> so this uh, like a U.S. space drone enters their planet, which is obviously not a planet. It just looks like another fucking desert on Earth. It's it just. Uh, anyway, and they start investigating it, and it collects rock samples and things like that, and then it's collecting like this air sample by suctioning things, and apparently this alien group, even though they're made of solid matter, obviously, gets sucked up via vacuum, and like that's that's something that their species can do. They're like Stretch Armstrong. Yeah, they do. They, ha they are very much like Stretch Armstrong, and so then the probe flies back and returns to the U.S., at this uh, military area, people, you know, they open up the space probe and they open up that, you know, air sampler module and shit goes wild. Um, the aliens come out. I mean, it's just, it, I, I totally like remember scenes of like, you know, when they come out of that thing or when they come out like a door and you see it just their awkward silhouettes. Um, and, you know, the way exactly the way he's kind of moving with his shoulders and like the way <laughs> that like uh, it just looks. Eh, God damn it. And they also show, like, the alien, the, the first alien. And they don't name him Mac for so long in this movie yeah. that it kind of pisses me off. So I'll tr I'll probably call him Mac. But uh, but anyway, he comes out first. And just you see him running around. And it looks, god damn it, like, the puppetry stuff doesn't match. And I'll probably mention that again in ALF. Like, whenever you see ALF running around, like, you know, as an actual uh, person in the suit as opposed to just the puppet... It looks bad. It does not match. I can't stand it. And and so we see that here. It's just, uh, and but, but really what is probably the worst part of when they are just using the puppet and having it run, but it's not really running. It's obviously just on like wheels and they're like pulling it. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the body of the body of the puppet's not moving, but he's supposed to be like running and he's just kind of like <laughs> shaking around. <laughs> and it's like. He's supposed to be running. I can tell his legs aren't moving at all in this shot, and yet he's you're telling me that he's running. This, uh, this is not the best achievement in cinematography or in working with puppets or anything. And, I mean, this was a movie that we watched when we were younger. Like, hands down. Um, you know, yeah. you, me, and our sister, I wouldn't say we loved Mac and Me, 
But if I had to say I watched Mac and Me, the, the amount of times I watched Mac and Me compared to the times I watched E.T., I watched Mac and Me more. Yeah. Like just straight up. Yeah, I did too. Which is kind of funny because E.T. is obviously the much bigger movie and there was a lot of comparisons and I would say 100% fair comparisons <laughs> when you when you rewatch this film and be like, anyone who tries to defend, oh no, Mac and Me is its own movie. It's not like a, cra- a cash grab trying to just, you know, live off of the... Uh, the positive vibes of ET that came out like six years earlier. Yeah. Um, but like it is 100% just kind of like an ET ripoff, but done in a Roger Corman crappy, you know, low budget way. <laughs> right. That's exactly what it is. But uh, for some reason, this was a movie I watched more and I gravitated more to this than ET. Yeah. I don't think we, I don't know if I don't think we owned this one on a VHS or anything like that, but I'm positive we had it on VHS. Okay. Then I wasn't. I couldn't remember if it was on that or on TV that we saw it enough. No, I'm positive we had it, but I think it was one of those things where we recorded it off of TV. Okay, but I'm positive we had it a VHS with it. Okay, it could be it, but yeah, maybe that's why I just remember watching it so much more than watching. Um, yeah, ET. Oh, the the bigger the bigger family aliens come out too. Um, but apparently the little Mac has already kind of left and run around at, uh, at one point, uh, they're all like surrounded by the military or he's surrounded by the military and, and Mac touches like this, he's running around and he touches this electric fence. And there's like this whole thing, like these aliens are causing electric problems yeah. throughout. And when he touches the electric fence and he gets like all kind of stretched and looking really weird. <laughs> I was just like, oh, God. I mean, it's played up for laughs, and that's exactly what it is, like trying to make a kid laugh. doesn't sound like your son even gave it a chuckle. No, you know what? He did a little bit at first. Okay. But once uh, once the focus got onto the boy, then he kind of lost interest. Like the gag the gag where, um, I can't remember where, where in the movie this was, where Mac like falls onto the, the windshield of a car and gets like stretched out. Well, that, that was actually this right, but he, uh, so he, he hit this fence- and then, you know, he, he I guess he got charged up, whatever he got. And so he, he got flown back yeah. and he got flown back far enough that wherever this military place was, he flew all the way to in front of a highway and he gets hit by a car. And yeah, he, yeah you get that kind of He squish. laughed at that. Okay. All right. Well, he caused like a five car pileup. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's probably dead and your son's just laughing. Yep. Um, but yeah, whatever. Some physical stuff there. Um, we meet Janet. And the older brother, Michael, and the younger brother, Eric, the alien has stowed away in the back of the car, you know, mm-hmm. during all like the, the the madness of this wreck, apparently. apparently the, the family has just moved to Sacramento and, uh, you know, they get to their new house. They meet this kind of hippie California neighbor girl next door, Debbie, this young, young little girl. Um, she sees the alien immediately. And she just kind of keeps commenting on it or whatnot. And everyone else is like, what the fuck? <laughs> but, the, you know, every, all the other, the moving company and the family kind of keeps missing seeing the alien. And it's got like these, as I mentioned before, these weird effects on electronics. We see it, you know, with a remote controlled car that Eric was playing with. Uh, this TV kind of turns on and off. Now, I do love uh, that when the TV is turned on, he's watching the snorks. That makes me happy. Yeah, I, I was definitely, you know, like, oh, the snorks. Hell yes, I watched the snorks and all this kind of stuff. But of course, it's kind of happening intermittently. And when the mom comes in, it doesn't happen. Uh, and we I mentioned earlier. Uh, so, yeah, Eric's kind of a, is a wheelchair bound kid, which comes into play uh, in a little bit. 
Let's see. At one point, Eric hears the shower turn on and he sees like these weird footprints and he follows them to their kitchen and whatnot. He follows it outside. Um, and that's where he meets Debbie, but he still doesn't see the alien as of yet. At night, uh, the alien is still in the backyard that we see. And, you know, Eric's worried about whatever he saw. And then we kind of get a little scene of the alien being sad, missing his family. He whistles out. He whistles out to them. So apparently their whistles can travel God knows how many miles uh, because that's where his family heard them and whistled back, that kind of thing. Uh, And and I will allow that because, you know, even though we can hear it as an audience, maybe it's a frequency that most humans are, you know, shouldn't be able to hear. Right. And that's why it can do that. And that's why, you know, the police just or whoever the military didn't just like uh, hear the whistle and be like, let's go to that weird fucking whistle. (laughs) So I'll, I'll allow that. In the remote, in the morning, the remote control car is going wild again, and we see like this drill going through the wall. We see, you know, the eye of the alien through the the hole created by the drill, and we see then this circular saw breaking up the door, and that's where Eric gets his first good look of Mac. At the time, the mom comes out, sees the place place is a mess, and she's all kind of like pissed off or you know just she's not really all that pissed off she i if it, if i was that parent i would have beaten the shit out of that kid <laughs> like are you kidding me one you're just a child and we're using a fucking drill and a circular saw on on our door that i just got this new house right. and oh my god uh so she's all upset about the mess that's been that's been going on eric you know he's all upset as well he goes to the backyard he hears these whistles and stuff like that and uh he <laughs> god this scene <laughs> so this is the scene where he kind of goes into his backyard uh, this is a, I don't want to say classic scene. So this kid, you know, he's, he's exploring his backyard. He hears like these whistles and you know, which he thinks of this alien. And apparently the, the backyard of his house is off like a steep, yeah. uh, hilly area, um, through a cliff to a river down below. He loses control of his wheelchair and as opposed to like flipping over and getting some scrapes and bruises, he just keeps rolling <laughs> and it is, I mean, it's comical. <laughs> How how awful this scene is. Eric! Like... <laughs> and I'm laughing because there's a wheelchair kid <laughs> flying down a hill. And falling off of a cliff into a river. And I'm dying of laughter because it just looks so pathetic. Yep. This scene is also famous because every time Paul Rudd goes on to Conan's talk show, whenever he has a movie to promote and they should go to a clip, that is the clip they show. Every single (laughs) time. I saw I mean, there's a, a... funny compilation on youtube and i saw it and like it just he keeps like fucking with conan about it and it's great and like why he chose that clip i don't know but at the same time i know why he chose that (laughs) clip because it's ridiculous (laughs) i mean and also when he's flying off the cliff it's an obvious like dummy yeah like it just looks so shitty Uh, but yeah I, i have seen that and it's Props to Paul Rudd. Thank you, Paul Rudd, for... I mean, you're almost validating Mac and me <laughs> by doing that. 
you know, the alien goes in and saves him, uh, which which miraculously Eric is still in his wheelchair inside, you know, in the <laughs> in the river. Like when he fell down in, he didn't separate from it at all, which I thought was kind of uh, he's probably belted in. Well, I guess so. He didn't seem like it. He seems like he pops in and out like and but, but we'll, we'll go with that. Maybe he's belted in this time and his mom sees him and, you know, they're all worried. Uh, and she just kind of thinks he's crazy as of right now uh, from seeing an alien and shit. So, because uh, obviously nobody believes Eric, you know, about the creature. Uh, Debbie comes in, tells her that, you know, he wants to catch the creature. That's what's on his mind right now. And then, uh, so randomly, the sister just, it felt like out of the blue, the sister's kind of like, Hey, why don't you invite Eric to Brittany's birthday tomorrow? You want to come? Sure. Hey, I'll see you then. <laughs> like, that that's that conversation that they have. And I'm like, who the fuck is Brittany? <laughs> Why did you just randomly bring this in? Also, the little kid sister says, oh, you want to come? Okay, sure. I'll see you there. What are the details of this party? What time is it? Where is it? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, that is just, it's terrible writing. It just comes out of the fucking blue. I don't know. That just, For some reason, that just kind of <laughs> took me out of this movie that I'm already taken out of. Of course, you know, there's uh, two older teens in a movie together, so there's going to be sexual tension. Mm -hmm. So Eric's brother, Michael, and uh, Debbie's older sister, Courtney, you know, have that tension in this film. Um, the mom starts her first day at the job, and it's at Sears. She's going to work at Sears. I'm hoping she's going to be a manager of the Sears, <laughs> and she didn't move across country to be a, a clerk. Yeah. <laughs> God. That would make me so sad. But uh, we also get a we get a quick scene of weird. So the mom goes off to work and, and we get a scene of, of Mac, the alien, just staring off at the cars like in, in California traffic, basically. <laughs> it's just like, OK, uh, then we cut to night and Eric's trying to lure the creature out with a Coke. Apparently, he thinks this thing is is in love of Coke, which, of course, it is. It's there's the product placement in this movie is absurd if you couldn't tell there are two big backers of this movie yeah <laughs> if you can't figure out who they are yeah coke is a huge one yeah um and then uh we'll get to some big mcdonald's stuff later yeah. the sister the older sister courtney works for mcdonald's that we kind of saw for a second ago uh but we're gonna get to that much bigger once we actually get to britney's birthday party yeah. uh, so at least at least it comes back yeah. i was gonna be pissed off if britney never comes back so but yeah coke and and mcdonald's are huge and then also we get like skittles and sears and stuff like that every now and then yeah. too I was curious if they were going to do more with like Skittles as kind of like a, you know, there's, I mean, granted, E.T. had Reese's Pieces right. as a pretty big product placement. So I was like, oh, maybe, maybe Skittles is, you know, that's, that's their, that's the Mac and Me version, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which honestly, I will eat Skittles over Reese's Pieces almost, like I'd say nine out of 10 days. I love Skittles. It'd be half and half for me. All right. So Debbie comes over and their whole plan is they're going to suck up the alien with the vacuum cleaner. I have no idea why he thinks that will work. <laughs> Which is I weird mean, because one, we know it will work as yeah. proven by the beginning of the movie. That, that's that's the other thing that kind of pisses me off is how the fuck does this kid know it works? We know it works, but how does he know a vacuum? No one in their right mind would assume I'm going to vacuum up an alien. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but of course it does work. You know, it makes the, the vacuum go crazy and Debbie's on it. Ha ha hilarious. She's flying around the room. But you could you could terribly see like. You know, as she's flying around, you can see that, that, again, they don't hide their dummies too well. They don't edit away from that. So, like, God damn, it just looks terrible. <laughs> Eric reverses the motor because I guess at that time, maybe vac old school vacuums had a reverse, which, like, you can't find a vacuum with a reverse now. No. To save your life. So, um, and out pops the alien, you know, which the alien is all tired. And so what do they do to revive it? They give it the life essence that is Coca-Cola. <laughs> 
You know what? About 10 years ago, I would have said, yes, that is the life essence. Because that was like, <laughs> yeah. soda Soda was like 50% of my diet. I got my Coke Zero right here. I fucking cracked out on Coke Zero. I love this stuff. Have you found, and sorry, this is a little bit of a diatribe, but have you found like- I'm done with talking about Mac and me, so let's talk about other stuff. I, I, don't, I, haven't, had, I haven't had a soda, I haven't had a soda in probably like six years. Oh, wow. And, um, but when I did drink soda, I found that the older I got, the more I traveled to the diet sodas- because the regular sodas were too sweet. Uh, and you'll hear a lot of people say maybe Diet Coke is too sweet. Um, just because aspartame and all that stuff has more sweetness to also, it inherently. Well, also, I, I could drink the the diet, well, the regular ones. I felt like more fi- filling. Filling, yeah. And so I would I could drink more of the diets. Maybe. I mean, I've... Uh, I've heard and I've read some of the science that diet sodas still keep you fat and that kind of shit. I don't care. Yeah, it's my it's my it's my one. Well, I've got a couple of vices, <laughs> but it's it's my big bad, you know, like unhealthy vice other than like some alcohol every now and then. But right. You know, I don't I don't do drugs. I don't smoke weed. I You know, I don't ob- abuse alcohol. I'll, I'll have a couple drinks, you know, maybe once a week and that's about it. Mm-hmm. But like I, I've tried to go away from Cokes before. And I just, I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't, I don't care. I keep, I, I'll stop for, I've stopped for like, you know, a year before, six months here, four months there, stuff like that, where I kind of, I go into like seltzer waters, LaCroix, stuff like that, which I still quite enjoy, but just give me my fucking Coke, man. <laughs> I love it. And I'm with you though. Like I, I don't like Coke as much. Like Coke Zero, I think has the best flavor. Yeah. And so that's the one that I get. I like it better than Coke. I like it better than Diet Coke. For me, it's like Coke. Pib Zero and Dr Pepper uh, Diet Dr Pepper like those yeah. are my those are my three goes tos so yeah all right what's your favorite soda flavor let us know in the comments <laughs> <laughs> sorry all right let's begrudgingly get back to Mac and me if you guys can't tell we are not we're not quite <laughs> fans of this movie uh, currently now but we we did when we were kids man man we were so yeah anyway Coke it's it's life saving it is gonna have healing properties. Uh, and so the alien is kind of healed and rejuvenated, re- is re- you know re- uh, re-energized, rejuvenated. Mm. Um, the mom arrives and the alien leaves, uh, of course. And uh, in the AM, apparently the alien has cleaned up everything. I don't know how. They have no explanation. It's just got these powers, I guess. Magic. Magic. Magic Mac. Um, Magic Mac. That sounds like it's going to be on a... Uh, uh, you know, dancing for some guy, for some <laughs> ladies at some point. Couldn't you see this alien? Well, it's kind of like when it's on the, on the, the, the bear suit. You know, it's kind of like doing its little... Ma- <laughs> that's Maybe that's what they got the idea for Magic Mike, is because they saw Magic Mac, and they were like, that's it, Maybe man. that was the original working title, Magic Mac. <laughs> that was... Pro- it was going to be the it sequel. Has to be, it had to be it. God, if I had to see, like, the quote-unquote adult dad dancing <laughs> um, creepily... Oh, with, like, there's the way it walks. Like, I can't... I can't imagine... <laughs> You can't talk about that without actually doing the motion either. Yeah, I know. You can't. I, exactly. I have to. And you're so right. It just leads with its shoulders, like up and back. <laughs> just like, what but the, the fuck But the head that? doesn't move. That's the, the top of the head stays in one location, but yeah. everything else like moves back and forth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, the, the mom sees everything fixed, but now she's kind of starting to believe because even the kids are like, mom, it wasn't us. We wouldn't have done this. And she's like, yeah, you're right. My kids would have never fixed this. <laughs> I'm just like, I bet as a parent, you're like, yeah, I kind of understand where she's coming from. <laughs> We see, again, another sight of the parents in the desert, and they're on the brink of death right now. Like, oh, shit, it kind of looks like it. And then they start their whistling, doing more communicating. Mom and Eric go out for some exercise. The alien pops out in a fucking power wheel. (laughs) 
Like, I love that <laughs> pow, pow, power wheel. Oh, man, those were so good. And, uh, yeah, he's just driving around the neighborhood. Dogs are chasing him. He crashes and gets stuck in a tree. Uh, all the, Honestly, for real, no reason why he's even driving out around and things like that. It's not even to, like, find, you know, the, the kid, Eric, and the mom or whatnot. But he just kind of gets stuck in the tree. And then we get this, like, montage song as the mom and Eric go on the run. And it's god awful. <laughs> like the soundtrack, not the original score. Yeah. The soundtrack is just terrible. Oh, I wanted to bring something up and I can't remember the exact scene. It was either this scene or there was another scene with them in a car. I would I should have written down exactly when it was. But the music that and it's definitely um Sylvester's music. It is uh-huh. totally shades of Back to the Future. You can oh, hear I, them. I have that. Come okay. Up. Okay. Uh, th- good. That is later on, and I 100% had the exact same comment that you did. Okay. And I, and that's what that's what. Yeah. Yeah. Let's save it for that moment because I know I know what you're talking about. All right. So uh, later on, some strangers kind of come by to the neighborhood asking about a blackout that happened. You know, because of the the alien obviously causing electronic issues. Um, Eric and Debbie stay home. Um, cause apparently, you know, they're, they're trying to talk to the alien and apparently the, the aliens just like in the house with them, like they didn't catch it. It just, it was aut- aut- automatically there. I no idea why. I think there was maybe a cut scene or something that explained that, but uh, God damn it. So now, now I'm pissed <laughs> off also about the pacing and the continuity of this film and just how it's like the story is progressing. So it's, it's hitting me from all angles. <laughs> they start to find out, you know, more about the alien. And they're also worried that the, you know, the, these federal agents, because just like ET, they have to worry about the federal agents trying to catch them. And that's one of the major premises of the film. Yeah. Uh, so, Eric and the alien have like this little, oh, a little connection moment. Um, you know, not quite the uh, finger touching that <laughs> Elliot and uh, E.T. have, yeah. but, you know, it's they, they have their own little connection. Uh, Eric comes out in his wheelchair to head to the birthday party of Brittany uh, that uh, Debbie's mom is taking him to. And he has this big fucking teddy bear and they stuck Mac in the teddy bear or the alien in the teddy bear is not named Mac yet. No. And uh, to hide him from the feds. And I'm just like, wow, that looks awful. And but the bigger thing is, did this kid just have like a teddy bear skin laying around that <laughs> he just popped him into or a costume? Or maybe he had a big teddy he bear. Had, quickly... well, they showed him at one point when they were moving in. He pulled a big teddy bear out of a box. OK, let's go with that then. That makes sense. All right, cool. So they hey, kept the continuity there. So as the Debbie and Eric and uh, Debbie's mom leave, for some reason, the feds decide to follow their car. Why they didn't decide to follow uh, the mom and Michael, mm-hmm. early, who were left in a different car going somewhere else, like, I have no idea. They have no rationale as to why they chose that car to follow. Yeah. Maybe uh, Were they worried about the wheelchair kid who liked teddy bears? <laughs> they didn't say. How are we supposed to know? So again, just... Just awful writing and, you know, nothing real premise from it. They are driving. They get to McDonald's. And as there is with every McDonald's ever when I pull in, there's like a fucking random dance party going on (laughs) outside the McDonald's.
And you know who's in this scene? I do because I looked it up on IMDb. I saw it on IMDb and then I looked really hard in the scene and I couldn't really find her. Uh, I found her. Someone posted a, a screen shot of it and you can, I mean, I, it could, it's apparently she must have, she must have confirmed that this is her Okay. or else the, or else it wouldn't be on there. But uh, it's Jennifer Aniston in her first movie appearance ever. Yeah. That was a big <laughs> And she was just like an extra. Yeah. She was just literally like off to the side. She had to bend or something because I there was yeah, no she, she, classic shot. You of can her. only see you can only see side of her face and only part of her face because there's someone else sort of standing in okay. front of her. Yeah, so she, she must have. You're right. She must have been like, oh yeah, yeah, hey, that was me. Yeah, because otherwise, who the hell would ever see that <laughs> and think know that it's her? Right. But that's kind of funny. Hey, I mean, she is by far the biggest star in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So the sister, you know, works the the Courtney works at McDonald's. You know, so it's a big McDonald's party, which is I think fair enough. A lot of kids had McDonald's parties back in the day. <laughs> you know what? It's funny. I was talking. My son was asking about that. He's like, because he saw Ronald McDonald sitting there. He's like, does every McDonald's have their own Ronald McDonald? Because obviously my kids love McDonald's. And uh-huh. and I was like, well, no, I, it's I think it's for a party. And he was like, you can have parties at McDonald's. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure you could back in the day. I'm like, I'm not really sure people do that much anymore. You're right. I I don't think I've seen it, but I feel like back in the day it was a totally yeah, legit thing. I totally agree. I, I I may have even been to one or two McDonald's parties when I was a kid. Yeah. But yeah, that's definitely not something I I've seen since. And probably because you know this movie. Uh, was you know in part sponsored by McDonald's. Right. They got the legit Ronald McDonald. That was like the real actor who had been in some other like yeah. cartoon or, or uh, commercials and some other like legitimate shows and stuff as Ronald. Well, the the McDonald's that they shot that in is a real McDonald's that is not open to the public. It is used for employee training and for commercials. Oh, I mean that totally makes sense that they would have that. Yeah. Okay. And it's somewhere in City of Industry. Okay. Okay. And then again because McDonald's. Um, another song happens, and it's just a full-on choreographed dance-a-thon. I saw this and I was like, this is some Blues Brothers shit. (laughs) It's exactly what it is. They were trying to pull off like, you know, those Blues Brothers, the Ferris Bueller, like that kind of like, you know, 80s dance party for no reason. And I I was able to see this actress and I don't know if you know her, but uh, Nikki Cox was one of the dancers in that one. Oh, really? Yeah. She was in Baywatch. I remember actually her most from this show, Unhappily Ever After, which was a pretty funny ass show. Yeah. Um, Actually also having to deal with like a little puppet uh, thing as well. Um, But yeah, she was one of the dancers in in, in, inside the McDonald's, which I thought was great. Uh, And as we mentioned before, the alien dances in its bear suit and it's, oh, God damn it. It's awful. And for some (laughs) reason, people think it's like an, an, you know, an animatronic bear or something, even though Teddy Ruxpin only came out like fucking three years before this. Right. And all it could do was like barely move its mouth. Uh, Anyway, the the feds kind of realize and start to chase after the alien. Uh, Eric escapes with it. And whoa, surprise, surprise. When he gets in his wheelchair... He gets out of control and he can't, he starts fucking, you know, 
going down another goddamn hill. Um, he crashes through fences as the feds chase him. He goes down like these big ass road hills. He's almost dying, like interweaving between traffic and shit. God, it's ridiculous. Uh, but here is where he ends up grabbing the back of a truck, just like Marty McFly does on his skateboard. <laughs> yeah. And then it hit me. Oh, man, the music is really yes. reminding me of Back to the Future right here, because the whole scene is reminding me of Back to the Future, because obviously he grabs the end of the truck and the music. And I was like, oh, wait, this is Alan Silvestri. And you can and you totally hear those influences. Yeah, one hundred percent. You can hear you can hear like almost almost him almost quoting. Yeah, the, yes. the Back to the Future theme, which he always played, or he played in in the scenes when you know Marty is uh, yeah. is in front of in front of Biff's car, and he does the yeah. thing where he lets da, the thing go. Da, da, yeah. So I, I wonder if that was a note from the director, be like, "Hey, can you kind of like slip that in there?" I, I bet so. I mean, it can't be a um, a coincidence that yeah uh, that Eric grabbed the back of a car and rid it like Marty McFly. Yeah. So that's that's you know what? Cool on you, uh, <laughs> Mac and me. I will approve this. So Eric and the alien hide at Sears, where his mom works, and you know she sees them, and now she's following them too. And uh, Michael comes in with the van and ends up just kind of like pulling them into the van, kind of heroically, and they speed off. Which this little scene with uh, it's Eric and Courtney and Debbie and Michael and the alien in the van. This is where he kind of just inexplicably names him Mac. Now, why the fuck he names him Mac? I have no idea. Also, the the Eric and this whole crew, what they they they're decided they're gonna help him get back to his family. But like, it really pissed me off. They're just like he just calls him Mech. Now, I wrote I read an article that said it stands. You know, it's an acronym that stands for mysterious alien creature. Yeah, kind of like similar how Alf is alien life form. But we all know he was probably named Mac because fucking McDonald's. Right. Like, they probably spend a little extra money. How about you name this movie after us? Thank you. <laughs> but now they have a road trip as they're trying to, you know, take him back to his family. And we get another awful song. see some more skittles more product placement on skittles at this point <laughs> as they're eating that um and they're in uh, socal obviously because i see joshua trees <laughs> they let mac out and he does his whole like little whistle and hand thing they kind of he kind of finds where they're where they're at what direction and so michael carries Mac into this old mining cave and you know that's where he thinks the family is and he finds them pretty much near dead you know they're just laying there they I guess they couldn't find water or whatever to to keep them alive and so to save their lives he feeds them coke of course (laughs) 
God damn it. More product placement. Precious lifeblood. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And uh, the family is reunited. They drive, and it's kind of funny. They have to distract the big one because when you think of aliens, you think of like, you know, somewhat superior beings. These are not. You know, they're not like aliens that have built their own spaceship and have their own, you know, high-level communication or stuff like that. Now, they have their own interesting powers, but they're not like, you know, way above intelligent creatures. They're just kind of like, I don't know, slightly more intelligent than chimpanzees. I would say. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that seems about right. Um, but he's like, you know, trying to like fiddle with shit and they have to distract him. Uh, they stop at a gas station and they, you know, he calls his mom. The aliens pop out of the van and it's kind of crazy. They end up walking into a grocery store. The police comes like it, this. It, now it's getting more elevated than I remember. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> the, the big one grabs the gun from this security guard. What a wimpy security guard. I know. <laughs> he was pathetic. Although I guess if I was face to face with an alien, I'm I might be. I mean, I'd like to think that I could react, but if you see something that like just shocks you, then and and with those creepy ass faces, don't you think that you would have been shocked? <laughs> yes, those things are especially yeah. if it was. I would have been especially if it was waddling towards me. Yeah, he's like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, anyway, like the alien and the family are just trying to like they they don't really know they don't understand anything, uh, and but he's carrying this gun, and the police end up opening fire on the aliens and it blows up this car and this entire building that is not how the gunfire <laughs> works but it it blow like just a couple gunshots and the entire building behind these aliens explode and uh you know eric who you know was trying to rush over there to to get to them uh kind of gets knocked unconscious from the blast and he's not just unconscious he's fucking dead there's this random doctor who comes over he's like i'm a doctor i'm a doctor get out of my way of course none of the police try to save this kid or no one else comes over it's just this random dude in a suit and die Um, you want to hear something interesting please i i've been watching a non-interesting movie for (laughs) an hour and a half tell me something interesting. so uh in the international release of this movie not in the u.s release in the international release the explosion is not what kills the boy uh, oh, like a random gunfire shot? A cop shoots him. A cop shoots him. Oh, whoa. So he's actually shot dead. Uh, they didn't want that in America, yeah. I guess. Or they weren't going to give him a PG rating if they did that, so. Ah, uh, okay. Which I think makes much more sense, you know, as like a, a random stray bullet or something gets him. Right. Uh, but the blow up, you know, whatever, it's still, it's it gets him. Then we cut to, uh, you know, the, the mother and the feds arrive, you know, just to see in time to see her son be dead. Um, that sucks. Then we cut to these awful fire effects, you know, that just look terrible. And we see like the alien family, you know, gloriously walking out of the fire unscathed. And the big one and the rest of the family kind of circle him. And Jesus Christ, now they have this other superpower where they can just fucking bring this kid back to life. There's no hint, no preface to this at all that they have this kind of power. Now, apparently we saw the, the little one has the power to fix wood, you know, and, and housing and, and spackle. He can, he's a great spackler, <laughs> but to bring life back, you know, from the dead, it really pisses me off that this was not 
this was not set up in the writing at all. You know, like it, it could have maybe had Mac accidentally kill a bird or something. And then he brought it back to life or something just to see or a small little creature or something to see that that was a possibility. But no, there's nothing. But they fucking, you know, surround the kid and or or you know what they could have done? They we saw that they had like some kind of effect on electricity. Maybe they kind of, you know, shock his system back. Yeah. You know, maybe they kind of, you know, do that kind of thing. But no, they just kind of fucking hippie sit around him and, and, and you know, make their little whistling sounds and boom, he comes back to life. Yep. God damn it. Now we're cutting to a building of immigration. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking lost. Uh, the aliens are going to legally immigrate to the U.S. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Where the fuck is this movie going? This is straight up insane. You see the aliens are now dressed up um, because they've taken our human modesty uh, into their own society. And now they're dressed in a suit and tie and a dress and all this kind of shit. And they're going to assimilate themselves into human culture and immigrate to the U.S. from (laughs) another world. Oh, my God. Then we get another cheesy, terrible song. Sometimes it's not so clear. The aliens drive a pink Cadillac. How they got the money for a pink Cadillac, I don't know. Well, they're famous now. They're famous now. Yeah, you know what? If, and if the Kardashians taught us anything, you don't have to have any real life skills. You just have to be famous to get money. Yep. And they very optimistically have a little text on screen that says, we'll be back at the end of the movie. Apparently, audiences around the country hated this ending so much that it was often booed in the theaters. <laughs> It is awful. It comes from nowhere, man. Like, it's just, I'm sorry. E.T. E.T. got to go home. Yeah. You know, that is so important. You know, or, you know, the aliens could, like, go off and live by themselves. But, like, it's so strange to see these, uh, yeah, as I said, these these aliens who don't understand a lot and whatnot. And to see, like, their terrible puppet faces in a suit and tie. <laughs> just, God damn it. <laughs> So, yeah, um, obviously, this movie did not make enough money, and due to its unpopularity, they did not get a follow-up movie. Nope. So, they will not see them again. Let's go into our final thoughts, which are not a surprise to anyone, I don't think. Uh, how about you start us off, John? So, I definitely, I've always remembered this movie and remembered it fondly. I was, I was, I was almost scared to go back and do this one. I almost didn't want to do this movie because I knew it was bad. <laughs> and, and everyone's told us for years, and you hear so just kind of off the cuff, um, or through like you know random pop culture stuff. Oh, Mac can be so terrible. Yeah, I was with you. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I don't remember it being that bad. No. Admittedly, if you asked me to, you know, if you there's some other movies like if you said, okay, you can watch Mac and Me or Supergirl, I'd probably watch Mac and Me again. Yeah, because at least there's some things in Mac and Me that would make me laugh, or at least I can laugh at how bad it is instead mm-hmm. of be bored to tears like I was watching Supergirl. Yeah. You know, or uh, Baby Secret of the Last Legend. Yeah, that was, like that, that was the one I was gonna go yeah. to next. <laughs> so you know, I mean, 
I still remember it fondly. You know what? When you're a kid and when you were a kid in the 80s, you know, we ha- we only had so much, so many different, you know, types of entertainment TV today from everything from the, uh, you know, adult content on stuff like HBO all the way down to the cartoons that are coming out today are so much smarter and wittier than I think they ever were before. Um, I think they, they, they've TV producers and, and, channels have figured out you don't have to insult the audience by dumbing it down Mm -hmm. but i think they kind of did back then (laughs) yeah (laughs) and this was this was an obvious you know et style cash grab that didn't work out uh it's not a great movie at all um if you've if you've never seen it don't bother if you've seen it and if you remembered it fondly maybe leave it there (laughs) maybe leave it there uh yeah I, i i was very similar to you like Plus, it's hard to find. It, oh, my God. We, we both had to buy this movie. Yes. And that is so sad. And fair warning, make sure you check the version you buy, because apparently I bought one for the wrong region because my DVD did not work, and I had to uh, find a version online. Yeah, which was apparently of lower quality. Lower quality, yeah. Although, uh, if you do want to watch this movie and have a laugh... Uh, mystery apparently mystery science theater 3000 the new netflix version um, which i've seen a few episodes and is really funny yeah i like um, that. did this movie so you can watch it yes and make fun of it along with the guys that is the best way to handle this film 100 yep. percent. because i was with you where i remembered this movie fondly and i absolutely i wouldn't say it was like you know a favorite by any means but like I remember us enjoying it to where when everybody else just kind of like laughed it off as a shit film, I was like, no, man, I remember liking that one when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the same time, I know it was bad, but it's like, eh, you know, it's not as bad as like people are saying. And now I watched it (laughs) and I'm just, (laughs) fuck, that was a travesty. (laughs) As we already mentioned, almost everything was terrible about this movie. The, the, The writing, the acting, everything except the score. The score was really good. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Alan Silvestri. You didn't save this movie, but you shined that turd up enough <laughs> that I could like, I, it's passable, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I could look at it. There you go. Yeah, it's, uh, it is not good. Please don't go back and watch it. it. It's it's not worth your time. But do I would yeah I, I might honestly I might I haven't seen that episode of Mystery Science Theater, but I think I will because yeah. I will have a good time with it and just to call out so baby secret of the lost legend was uh, 13 percent on the tomato meter on rotten mm-hmm. tomatoes supergirl uh was the lowest that we've ever had at nine percent mm-hmm. until we've now watched mac and me mac and me has the lowest score of any of the movies on the tomato meter that we've ever watched with a zero percent seriously zero percent on the rotten tomatoes yeah uh, I, I hate to say it, but I still would put this movie above Supergirl. Yeah, I, I, I would too. And I'm, and I, I probably, partly probably because I'm more nostalgic for Mac and me. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. If, if for, for Alan Silvestri alone, I would put this movie above it, it, Supergirl. Very true. No, granted, I think Supergirl was um, Jerry Goldsmith, who is a yeah. good, who's a good guy as You know well. what? It, it, there, there's only, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of really, really good um, film scores out there. And they're, you know, they they don't spend as much time with these movies as people. A lot of times they see the movie like two, maybe three weeks at best a month Mm -hmm. before they record it. So they're spending like maybe two months between seeing the movie, writing the music, and then recording the score, and then they're off to the next movie. So they're doing movies all the time. So to see them even in like, you know, you might see like 
a really famous film score in a movie. You're like, what the hell are they doing there? Look, they got to work. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna write music for whatever. And if they can crank them out, you know, whoever can pay, mm-hmm. that's that's who they're going to go with. I think film scores get a little bit more of a pass than like <laughs> actors or directors who make like a crap film. True. Because the score, everyone knows like the scores are, it's an essential part and there's only so many people who do it and do it well mm-hmm. that you need someone who can, crank it out really really fast because it's usually the last i believe it's like the last thing to go in usually yeah yeah it's 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 so exactly in that last kind of mix of things so um yeah just buy the score people just just go and (laughs) and get the score and you'll be you'll be infinitely more pleased so yeah god damn we spent plenty enough time on mac and me uh i I hopefully won't talk about that movie maybe ever again in my life but uh, let's move on to elf Elf from 1986 to 1990 had four seasons, uh, a total of 99 episodes. A couple of those were hour-long episodes, so I think in syndication it's got like 102 episodes like broken out. Uh, it was created by Tom Patchett and Paul Fusco. Uh, Tom Patchett wrote for the Bob Newhart show, for the Carol Burnett show. He wrote the the Great Muppet Caper. Um, so a bunch of you know just good kind of classic comedy stuff that he's worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that Al Jean wrote five episodes of Alf, which Al Jean went on to be uh, a Simpsons and the critic writer yeah. and producer. Um, I mean, he's fantastic. Um, the cast for this show, Alf, was done by, voiced and puppeted by Paul Fusco. Who I believe created, who created the puppet. Yeah, exactly. Like, Alf is his thing. That's his creation yeah. fully. And he's really only ever done Alf stuff, it seems. Yeah. Uh, when I look at his credits, like, that's his thing. So anytime, you know, anytime you want Alf in your thing, you're going to have to deal with Paul Fusco. And it sounds yeah. like he might be a little bit difficult to work with from some of the things that I saw. Yeah, but um, uh, so the family, uh, Willie Tanner is played by Max Wright. Uh, he passed just last year. He was the, uh, oh. the father. Yeah. And he's been in. Well, I'm just going to pretty much say this for everybody. Everybody's been in a bunch of stuff, but no one has really been in anything else as recognizable as Alf for them. Yeah. So um, I'm not really going to talk about anybody else. I'm not going to talk about the other credits because really there's not really other credits worth mentioning. But um, Kate Tanner. Uh, was played by Anne Shadeen. Uh, Lynn Tanner was played by Andrea Elson. And Brian Tanner was played by Benji Gregory. A couple different things about the show. You know, it was, a, it was a pretty big hit. And I would say Alf himself was obviously the biggest hit. The show was big, but Alf became like a pretty big pop culture icon. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, his picture appeared on like literally like everything from lunchboxes and pogs and all that kind of shit. Alf's name wasn't actually Alf. His name was Gordon Shumway, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is ridiculous. I don't can't remember how he has why he has that name, but Alf is an acronym for alien life form. I think he gets that in the in the pilot episode. Oh, Gordon Shumway. When they, when he yeah, when he crashes in and actually I didn't even watch the the um the pilot for I this. Did, I did watch the pilot. Yeah. But I, I kind of remember it like, they, 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 they're like, yes. what is it? And he's like, he's an elf. He's yes. what? An alien life form. That's where he gets the Yeah, name. well, that's what he has to get the, I mean, I, I don't remember how, where the, the backstory of Gordon Shumway comes from. I mean. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I don't know where that, but but yes, that, that wasn't the pilot where the dad says, and he was kind of like a um, an amateur space guy and, and he worked on, you know, radio and stuff like that. And Alf, like, locked in on his radio signal and came crashing mm-hmm. in into his house and all that kind of stuff. Um, Alf's from the planet Melmac. Uh, yeah, he followed that radio signal to Earth, crash lands into the garage of uh, the Tanners. So that's so most of this whole thing is usually it's Alf, 
you know, just living life with the Tanners. Um, yeah. You know, hilarity that ensues from having a alien that's ridiculous. Sarcastic as hell. Super sarcastic alien. He, uh, you know, just the hijinks from uh, from all that kind of shit. Usually him having to hide from the alien task force or from hiding from his nosy neighbors, uh, which the neighbor, I don't know if you saw in, in episode one, I noticed or maybe it was whenever I saw her. I was about to say, there's at least one person who I know you're going to mention. Yes, Raquel Achmanik, who who was the the character of the uh, yes. the side of the mother, is played by Liz Sheridan. Who, me being such a Seinfeld fan, she played Helen Seinfeld, uh, Jerry's mom. Yeah, and I I saw her. Me, me and my wife were both having the have off, and we looked at it and saw it and was like, holy shit, it's Helen Seinfeld, <laughs> and we were so excited. And if you don't know, I have a Seinfeld podcast on the Beef Up <laughs> Network called Cartwright of Seinfeld Podcast. Go check it out. If you're listening to Beef Up, or if you listen to Blast from Our Past, you can also listen to Cartwright. Go check it out. Let's. I want to say in, in August 2018, uh, Warner Brothers Television announced they were developing an Alpha reboot. And then the plans got canceled in November 2018. So, like, a couple months later, like, yeah, never mind. We're not going to do ALF. You know, this was just like a classic 30-minute sitcom, uh, you know, about about a family with a vis- you know alien visitor. Uh, the composer, uh, which I thought was awesome. Did you happen to notice the name of the composer, John? Um, I did not. His name is ALF heiberg Clausen. His name was fucking ALF. <laughs> I don't know if that's why they hired him. I, if not, it should have been. That's kind of freaking awesome. So, but he also composed the theme music. And the theme was, I don't know, kind of lame. It really was nothing special. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it's not memorable. You know, it wasn't one of those good, like, you know, standout late 80s, early 90s, you know, songs that obviously didn't make any, didn't make our sitcom list for either of us. Yeah. Oh, uh, apparently it's revealed, I think it was actually revealed in that first episode, that Alf's home planet Melmac was exploded. I think due, it was it was almost like a nuclear explosion, but really what happened was it due to everyone plugging in hair dryers at the same time. <laughs> That's how Melmac exploded. Now, granted, their whole body is covered in hair, so right. you get it. Uh, so pretty ridiculous there. Um, you know, there's plenty of memorable things with the show. Uh, one of the biggest being that Alf wanted to eat cats. Yep. Uh, you know, he uh, he just constantly was talking about eating cats and, and, and shit like that. He also drank beer. In in the season one, he drank yeah. yeah he drank beer, but the network apparently convinced Paul Fusco, Fusco. to to drop that uh, because they're trying to you know reach the younger audience yeah um, which it was, that makes sense. it was meant it was originally meant to be like sort of a, a more adult humor mm, okay and then they found that kids were watching it more so they're like okay we're gonna steer into this a couple a couple other well semi interesting things. Almost every episode was named after a popular song. Oh. I don't know if you noticed that. So, like, they had episodes called Hungry Like the Wolf, Wanted Dead or Alive, Stop in the Name of Love, etc. So, they had a kind of little theme with the names of their of their uh, episodes, which I, thought, which I thought was pretty damn cool. That's cool. I kind of like it when a TV show does that. Like, there's yeah. a theme. Like, I always like that about Scrubs. Mm-hmm. Scrubs, everyone was my something. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Uh, something else pretty interesting with the show, the set was built on a platform. So yeah. because of the whole, you know, Alf being a puppet, 
the uh, the set was built on a platform raised four feet above the ground with trap doors kind of, you know, constructed at many sections. So that way Alf could appear almost anywhere, Yeah, uh, which, you know, all of that kind of added to, I think, the production time. And it took a lot longer to film episodes than like a regular sitcom. But it makes sense. You're dealing with puppets and shit. But that's where Fusco would operate him was through through these trap doors. Apparently, Fusco would you know wear like a head mounted microphone to record his uh, voice and things like that. But they also couldn't because of how they did it. They couldn't record it in front of a live audience. So they ended up adding a laugh track at the end in, in post production. Yeah. So a couple of not so funny things <laughs> that uh, yeah. So they they did as you mentioned. Kids were watching this show. Mm-hmm. And so they had to tone down a couple things in later seasons, including the drinking and the cat eating. Uh, and then here's just kind of another weird situation in the episode called "Try to Remember." Alf creates a jacuzzi in a hot t- in the bathtub by putting an electric mixer, you know, from the kitchen into the bathtub. Right. Apparently, a child recreated that scenario and nearly died from electric shock. Uh, oh, so. Geez. Yeah, so they had to they re they reshot that scene with a manual egg beater instead of an electronic egg beater, um, and that's what you will see in syndication now. Um, but uh, in the first one, he dropped uh, an electric mixer, and obviously that would uh, almost kill you, and it as it did to, to somebody. Apparently, also some boy tried to put his cat in the microwave. Yes, that's exactly, and so that they kind of toned down the uh, the cat eating stuff <laughs> um, because God, kids were dumb back then. God damn it, kids were dumb back then. You know, uh, I don't. How did wanna... we survive, Adam? Yeah. How did we make it through the eighties? I'm not sure. I fully blame the show for that. <laughs> because maybe the parents, the parents, and these dumb kids who do that dumb shit. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, it's not funny, but like, yeah, fuck, a, a damn kid put a goddamn cat in a microwave. That ain't good. Anyway, this show, it became a sensation in Germany. So much so that Alf <laughs> was a freaking music star. No problem, nur ein bisschen Verzicht. Die machen ihren wilden Westen dicht und pflanzen die blauen Bohnen dann im Eurogarten als Gemüse an. Alf wird unser Bundeskanzler, Alf ist unser bester Mann. I know he had a successful recording career like holy shit like like he David Hasselhoffed all over there like that's that is amazing (laughs) but it it wasn't it's not even like Paul Fusco it was the German voice actor yeah yeah (laughs) who did the songs so so even Uh, though Alf was famous it was not Paul Fusco although hopefully he saw royalties for that yeah, I would imagine. I mean, it sounds like he owns that character, and yeah, he would. So, yeah, Alf. Alf was pretty popular. He he uh, showed up on multiple other TV shows as well. He showed up on Matlock, on <laughs> Blossom, on Hollywood Squares, on a, among a whole bunch of other things as well. Um, he even I, had a. Oh, go ahead. No, I could totally see him on Hollywood Squares. Oh like yeah, that, that totally makes sense. That makes the most sense out of any of them. Like he doesn't make sense in Blossom, or in or certainly Matlock. doesn't make sense in Mat- uh, Matlock. <laughs> So, um, the cartoon had, or sorry, this, this show had a a cartoon spinoff from 1987 to 89. And I kind of remember it. It only lasted 26 episodes. So like two seasons. Yeah. It wasn't one that I really watched. I watched the live action more than I watched the cartoon, but it was kind of a, uh, like a prequel. I think it took place on Mel Mac before it blew up. Things like that. I do remember him wearing like a Hawaiian shirt. In that yep. in that cartoon, because you can't have a naked alien on TV. No, hell no. You can now. It can be pantsless. 
but it, it's got to have at least a shirt on. <laughs> yeah. So there was also a TV Land talk show spinoff that uh, so Alf was like the leader of a talk show, like a Johnny Carson style talk show that was on TV. See, that Land. also makes sense to me. <laughs> it makes sense, but it was apparently a flop. It only lasted seven episodes okay. before it got pulled off. There was a, a second cartoon called Alf Tales that only lasted 21 episodes. In 1996, there was uh, a, sh- a made-for-TV movie called Project Alf that was trying to give it a more proper ending. Yeah, because it ended on a cliffhanger. It did, and uh, none none of the human actors came back for Project Alf. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the fan base quote-unquote, doesn't consider it as a uh, canon, if you will. Uh, but you're right. So let's let's like talk about that finale. Um, that finale does have like a little fucked-up cliffhanger ending where Alf gets captured by the alien task force. Mm-hmm. So, like, he actually gets caught like that. And they so they, they left it on this cliffhanger. And Alf is probably, like, he's probably been probed and dissected and, you know, things fucked up with him. But apparently, you know, the writers and the creators heard, you know, they knew that they were going to get canceled or heard they were going to get canceled. So they were trying to make it a cliffhanger to see if they could draw out another season, you know, yeah. and whatnot. And the network was like, yeah, no, nah, not going to happen. We're just going to end <laughs> on this cliffhanger. Now, granted, they did get Project Alf. To, to try to wrap it up later, which I, I didn't watch any of Project Alf at all for this now. No, I didn't either. Um, that's all I've got on Alf. Anything else you wanted to bring up about the show? Well, uh, and you you hinted at it before. Apparently, um, tensions were high mm. on the set. Um, a, a lot of it had to do with how frustrating it was to shoot it because of how they had to stage everything and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, apparently, uh, Max Wright and, and Paul Fusco constantly butt heads. Apparently, one time... Uh, it got so bad that Max Wright actually attacked the puppet, <laughs> and the producers had to pull him off. <laughs> Holy shit! That's had awesome. To pull him off. Um, and but he has said in in interviews, or he did say, I guess, in interviews that even though even though shooting on the show was a nightmare, um, he always enjoyed the letters and comments mm. that he got from fans, from especially kids who yeah. told him how much the show meant to him, meant to them. Nice. So you know he. he Hopefully he thought in the in the end that it was worth it. Yeah. You know, it was worth it because, God, it's been 30 years since the mm-hmm. end of ALF, yeah. and we're still talking about it. It's yeah. Still, people still roughly know who it is. I don't know. I'm not sure kids know who it is, but at least adults are still yeah. talking about it. If he pops up in, like, a, a random thing, like, it's just like, oh, my God, there's ALF. You know, it's yeah. not like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. So it, it obviously permeated pop culture enough to to make a difference. So hopefully he took some yeah. some small solace in that. Yeah, for sure. I guess uh, we didn't really talk about our relationship with Alf and, and our um, things. Uh, we uh, didn't we have an Alf doll? I can remember. Has, I want to say we did. Yeah, I, I remember say we did. like a plush Alf Alf yeah. thing. Yeah. I don't no idea what happened to it. But. Uh, yeah, n- no idea either. But um, we definitely had it. Yeah, I don't really have too much to talk about it. It was not a show that I watched regularly, but if it was on, I would watch it. Probably watched it more in syndication than anything else. Um, I always thought it was funny, but it was not like one of my more favorite ones. Just sort of ones where if it was on, I watched it, mm-hmm. and that was pretty much it. Yeah. So that being about how it was, I was the same way, obviously, mm-hmm. um, with watching it. But uh, what are your thoughts upon rewatching Elf? You know what? Um. It was still pretty funny. Um, it's got that 80s humor. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it you got to, you know, weed through the politically incorrect shit. And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, some of it's, you know, not the great. But I watched uh, I watched like one and a half episodes because I ran mm-hmm. out of time. It was not horrible. 
It was not horrible. I think it was. I think there was there was there was a lot to it. There's some you know Alpha's was pretty damn funny. I mean he was sarcastic and that's where his humor comes from. So I mean I could see. I don't know if I if I I don't have like the desire to go back and watch like the entire series but i mean if somebody you know if somebody strapped me to a chair and told me to watch alf i'd be like okay i can do this yeah i actually probably had a pretty similar uh situation to you where i'm not motivated to rewatch alf by any means you know i wouldn't say i found myself chuckling too much out loud Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I only ended up watching two episodes as well. I watched one from episode one and one from episode th- or from season three. Um, I watched the first one and then yeah, season three. Um, and neither of them really like grabbed me and like made me want to watch more, but neither of them made me want to just turn it off and walk away yeah. either. So more, mostly I would probably vote to just keep it in your nostalgia, Yeah. but I, I want to call out, I think Alf, you know, I don't think he needs another show i don't think he's right for another show (laughs) yeah but i do think he's right for like more random cameos and pop-ups he's he's a perfect character to just kind of pop up be sarcastic you know i don't know like a like a more toned down uh the triumphant dog or what is triumph the comic insult you know yeah i I don't want a triumph show but like just seeing him pop up in some random things that makes me happy and alf you know has a similar vibe and so like I just want to see him, you know, show up in like maybe one thing every two years. And I'll be like, yeah, that kind of brings me back. And I don't need any more than that uh, for my elf. But but just, you know, give us a little reminder of the good old days. And, I, and I'm happy with it. Yeah. All right. That was our review of Elf. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... And when he looked up, he saw the man with the eyes. Weird! And now it's his turn. It all started back when I was a kid on Melmac. And my name was Gordon. Gordon Shumway. Actually, I prefer Alf. It's new storytelling Alf. He sings, he moves, he tells stories, and even knock-knock jokes with lots of uproarious cassettes to choose from. I'll tell you, kiddo, I'm just having too much fun. Storytelling Alf. Extra cassettes sold separately. Batteries not included. New from Coleco. And now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we are going to be casting our versions of a West Coast Avengers movie. Um, we needed something to put in here. Uh, this is one I had just kind of had on the docket that I wanted to do. Um, admittedly is because I recently read, um, sort of the latest, uh, West coast Avengers novels. I also uh, had just, I kind of read in, not in the correct order, but I read this, um, the Matt Fraction Hawkeyes run, which you, if you, if you read comics and you've never read that, read that whole thing. I actually bought the entire omnibus and read it and it's, great it's amazing aren't they drawing heavily from that for the uh, upcoming hawkeye show that's yes. on disney plus yeah they are um, which one of the characters we're going to um be casting is actually going to be in it but they have not announced who is going to be playing that part so i thought that's our chance to get in yeah and talk about it um there are rumors um, which we'll talk about a little bit and from young avengers and stuff like that so uh the characters and i'll briefly kind of talk about them a little bit uh, that we're going to cast are kate bishop America Chavez, Gwen Poole, Fuse, Kid Omega, and Alloy. Now, the other big part of this is actually Hawkeye, but since there's already a Hawkeye in the MCU, I left him off the list because that, mm-hmm. like, likely some of this, probably not this exact storyline because it's a little fantastical for 
the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, so we may not see a lot of these characters. We probably are only going to see Kate Bishop at all. That's the only one who's been rumored. I'll be shocked if we see any anyone else. If if they bring in Gwenpool, I'll be I'll shit myself. That I just that just seems like a little too out there. No, but I could see them throwing Deadpool in. Yeah, maybe maybe if, as a tie if, in if they want if they want some of the comedy. But anyway, that's that's a that's a whole other argument. Yeah. So he was uh, based I'll, out of San Francisco for a long time. So uh, yeah. there you go. He's a West Coast, He's but West he, Coast. he ain't no Avenger. <laughs> Well, some of these really aren't Avengers either. Yeah. So the West Coast Avengers, actually, the original comic started in the early 80s um, and had diff- some different characters. Originally, it was like Hawkeye, Iron Man, Wonder Man, Tigra, um, and some other characters, and then that kind of died off, and then they kind of brought it back with the the Kate Bishop storyline that happened in Hawkeye because she ends up going out to the West, and then that whole, that sparks her sort of unofficially starting the West Coast Avengers and announcing them without asking the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there's a, a great thing where she actually, they go on a talk show and talk about it, and then she gets a call from Captain America, who had no idea that she had formed the West Coast Avengers. So um, if you read comics at all, it's a, it's a great series to read. So let's go ahead and start with Alloy. Now, Alloy in the uh, series, in the newest series, which is actually, if you buy the trades, it's only two books. Okay. Um, so it's a pretty short read. It's it's worth reading. Um, you kind of have to know the backstories of the characters to know who they are. So you either have to read up on them first or find you know stuff that leads into them. Uh, Alloy actually doesn't really become a superhero until the end. So it's a little bit of a spoiler that we're doing this. Mm. But her brother is Fuse, who we'll talk about in a second. So she kind of has... Alloy and Fuse, their mother is Wakandan. Okay. Um, it's revealed that she's Wakandan. Um, and so they have these vibranium-based powers. Okay. Which ha- you know, has to do with metal. Fuse's power, which I'll talk about in a second, is he can he can turn his body into whichever um, thing he touches. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Which, and I'll go ahead and just talk about this now, um, which he keeps, he wears earrings, he wears piercings made of vibranium so that he can always change into vibranium if he needs to. Mm-hmm. Smart. Which That's is smart. Yeah, it was a smart idea. <laughs> so uh, in addition to being Fuse's sister, Alloy is also the love interest for America Chavez. Oh, okay, cool. So they, they the two of them start, um, start a, a sort of romance kind of unbeknownst to fuse and then he finds out and and he his concern for his sister is not because um she is lgbtq it is because mm-hmm. at the beginning we don't think she has powers or she doesn't even really know that she has powers his his concern is for her safety mm-hmm. is being involved with someone actually as it turns out there's always been hints that she's had powers but if they've always been afraid that if she gave into them it was going to turn her into something that she couldn't control. Okay. And then and and in the end it turned out that she could. Okay. Um so there's lots of different ways. I tended to stick to sort of strictly who these people were. I didn't really I didn't gender bend anything. I didn't culturally bend anything. I agree. I did the same thing because I didn't feel it was needed. There was a yeah. lot of already good diversity Agreed. in this group. I didn't. I didn't want. Where a lot of the other times where I do mix and match, it's because it's like I don't feel there's enough uh, diversity in the in the in the group, and so I feel like it, it needs something to be not just right. the same old white guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, but I agree for the same thing. I was like, I well, I'm getting a lot of different stuff here, so there's really no reason for me to change anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go ahead and jump in with mine. Um, I 
probably picked some, well, I wouldn't say that she's too famous. She's, um, out of all the people on my list, other than Kate Bishop, she's going to be the only one I think you'll probably know off of the top of your head. Okay. And that's because she was in a very famous TV show. She was Melisandre in Game of Thrones. I picked Natalie uh, Emanuel. Yeah, she's pretty big right now. Um, I like her as an actress. I want to see her in some more things. And uh, yeah, she's uh, crazy attractive. So I don't, sorry, that just I can't, it's, <laughs> like just straight up. I mean that that woman is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I like her a lot. Of, I like her a lot. Okay, she's yeah, she's uh, she's a little bit. I mean, not not she's not too old. She looks hell. She looks like she she could play a high schooler. Uh, the the thing is, is I was looking at a lot of these people are like are, are in the mid to late twenties, mm-hmm. but none none of the characters per se are in high school they're all sort of probably early 20s okay so you can probably play a little bit with the ages if you want and some of these actors look look young enough it doesn't really matter yeah very true all right who'd you go with all for that um i went with an actress you you may not know she's i think nine years younger than nathalie emmanuel that's not again she probably could play the same range though yeah i remember her best uh, from the movie The Hunger Games, where she played Rue, and I'm pretty sure she died off in that one. Mm. Um, she's been in some other stuff, but you know, she at least was in Hunger Games. She you know had some some kind of action stuff she had to deal with in that, and so I think she could work well as my alloy. Uh, I went with Amanda Stenberg. Okay, I liked her in uh, Hunger Games. I, that was mm-hmm. actually that was the only one of the three movies I actually particularly cared for. Yeah, I mean, I liked the character. That was I also read that book. Um, I didn't read the other two books. I did read The Hunger Games, okay, which was a good book. I um, mean, and, and you get a little bit more, I think, of a uh, emotional connection to her in that mm-hmm. book than you do in in the movies. But yes. uh, no, I like her. I don't know what she's done recently. Yeah, she's kind of she hasn't done stuff too big recently. But I don't know. I I, I mean, she's had a, a TV show called The Eddie. Some, she's been in some other random things, but nothing nothing really big. Honestly, The Hunger Games was obviously the biggest movie that she was in. Uh, so, you know, she, it's time for her to, to bring you back and get into the Marvel MCU and get big. All right. So. We can go with that. All right, cool. Uh, okay, so let's go on to Kid Omega. Kid Omega was uh, originally in, not necessarily an X-Man, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he did show up in, in a lot of like X titles. Yes. Kind of interesting about him and why I like him as as a character is um he's very snarky. Yeah. Um he's he's considered one of the most he's an omega level character. He's got like big, big telepathic powers. Um I mean that's that's why he has the name Kiko Man, because he has what they called omega level telepath. Like he's like mm-hmm. almost on the same length as Professor X as far as his power. Yeah. And like goes. what what an omega what an omega level mutant is is basically you have like an like an almost endless power of like you know whatever your power is you have it at like this crazy high level that doesn't have like too many like big deteriorations yeah you know like you can you can you can go crazy like some of the other megas are like um I think Magneto Professor X yeah. um Jean Grey uh, I think I think um uh, Iceman was a, is an omega level as well cuz he can like manipulate freaking water and ice into you know a bajillion things but yeah right. so so the guy is crazy powerful <laughs> yes um but he's also very cocky and snarky mm-hmm. which is <laughs> great for a, for something like this cuz you know it gives you a little bit of a a character flaw in him who also <laughs> it's also great is because he spends the entire comic series in a basically a fight with Gwenpool until they basically become an item 
Oh, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Uh, so he's a little bit kind of like, not necessarily overly tall, but he's kind of lanky looking. He's got a pink mohawk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked a kid who uh, has got a good look to him. He's kind of tall and lanky and I think could do well. Uh, he's been in a few different ones, but the thing that we would most recently know him from, and I didn't think he was bad in this, even though I thought the movie was horrible, was he's been in the last two X-Men movies as Nightcrawler, but I'd want to bring him into the MCU as this, um, and his name is Cody Smith-McPhee. I mean, he, as far as his Nightcrawler, he's no Alan Cummings. I think yeah. as, on the acting level, I honestly... I th- kind of think Cody Smith had the better look than Alan Cummings. That's, that's oh, man. I don't know if I agree with that. Just because okay. I'm I'm nostalgic for I totally X-Men agree too. with that. I'm and that's a totally fair assessment. And I think as far as the acting goes, I think uh, Alan Cummings knocked that role out of the park. Yeah, 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 wholeheartedly. And, and, and maybe that's why I give I think the look. You know, I liked it even okay even better. Um, um, he definitely has that that lanky look. You know, mm-hmm. that could totally fit with a Kid Omega. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff. I, yeah, I, I did not love the Kurt the Kurt Wagner um, okay. Nightcrawler in any of these ones. But him, I, don't remember, I don't remember having him having too much screen time and definitely not a lot of lines. Unless, he more, more so in Dark Phoenix. Okay, right, which I, I didn't see. Yeah, and, and I just, I don't know. I just didn't love him. Okay. But but also I'm just like fuck you I love Alan Cumming. <laughs> uh yeah, he was in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, just a small part in that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean I I don't dislike the call. Okay. Maybe he'll right. do better in this role than he would have as, as... I hope so. Well, yeah, yeah, because the X, that X-Men franchise pff, plummeted. <laughs> so and I know our friends at Dynamic Duel liked Dark Phoenix, but they're wrong. Yeah, I it's agree. Not they a are good, totally wrong. A, it's not a good movie. I've never it's, even seen it, and I know they're wrong. It's just not worth your time, John. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, "Oh, I like this so much better than Apocalypse," and I'm like, "It's really not any better than Apocalypse. It's about it's equally bad. Um, <laughs> it's just yeah." And they God, they they try to go out of their way to defend some of these goddamn Marvel and DC movies because they love it so much, yeah. and I appreciate that for them. But sometimes it's just shit. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Johnny DC and Marvelous Joe. Go check out your their podcast if you haven't already. Uh, all right. Good call. I like my call a little bit better. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah. I think I think my guy has just that exact Kid Omega look to him. I recently saw the movie Knives Out, and I really liked Knives Out. I think uh, it's got a lot of Clue vibes to it. Um, you know, if you liked, I know you liked the movie Clue yeah. when you were younger. I think, you know, you and your wife, probably not one for the kids, but... I bet you and your wife watch Knives Out. I, I bet you guys would appreciate I've it. I've been wanting to see it. I just haven't gotten an opportunity to yet. It's well worth it. I, I rented it not too long ago or I, on my Netflix, uh, and I and I watched it because I still get the Netflix DVDs. Yeah. Um, because I'm I'm a idiot. I don't know, uh, but I, I still like them. I use it, so uh, I got that on there, and I I really liked it. He was also in the movie It, uh, which was a big hit. Um, but his name is Jaden Martell, and I think he is just. A perfect look, and he's a good little actor for uh, for Kid Omega. Okay, you know what? I did. I looked at him. Okay, I, I looked totally, at him. Yeah. So I I totally see it. Cool. I think he's got a right look too. I just ne- I didn't see Knives Out. So gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Check it out, John. Okay, cool. Yeah, I like that choice. All right. All right. So let's go to Fuse, uh, who is, as I mentioned before, is the brother of uh, Alloy. 
Um, and he can fuse his body into any sort of material that he's in contact with. So um, he can make his body out of wood. If he's touching wood, he can make it out of iron. If he's touching iron, which is why he keeps vibranium earrings in all the time so that he can always turn into vibranium, which is the mm-hmm. strongest metal on earth. So, Well, a- adamantium is the strongest metal on earth. But vibranium is up there. Are we sure? Adamantium is stronger than vibranium. Okay. Yes. Because I, I, I remember hearing this argument somewhere and someone saying that no, vibranium was stronger than adamantium. You know what? You keep talking, I'll look. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right, whatever. It's Either way, it's one of the strongest ones. Uh, so I looked around and basically I, there wasn't anyone in the right age range of someone that I, I just was like, it was just hitting me. So I looked around for someone who um, has got a good look and has got some experience and so I landed on this guy who uh, has been uh, in quite a few different things, and he was also in the spinoff show Grownish, which I think is a spinoff of Blackish, which I've not seen either of those, but yeah. I don't know how good Grownish is. But he was in the 2018 sort of revamped movie Superfly, um, where he played Superfly, and he looks like a very young Superfly. Uh, and his name is, and I just walked away from it, uh, Trevor Jackson. Yeah, I, I've seen him. Actually, I, I want to say I used him for a casting not too long ago as well. Okay. And I, and it might have been for a similar kind of action-y kind of thing like this. He's got a great look for that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. Now, Fuse uh, is bald, so he'd have to shave his head, which is weird, because if you see a picture of him in Superfly, he's got like this yeah. really nice quaffed hair. Yeah, I was saying, yeah, definitely quaff. <laughs> I see the picture right in front of me. No, that's cool. Uh, I like that call. I've used him before, so I'm I'm all up for it. Okay. On a very quick article that I found, it says, while vibranium is the more durable material, adamantium is the more dense material. This means that given the right circumstances, adamantium can potentially cut through vibranium. But also, vibranium, as we've seen in the MCU, has a lot of other mystical and magical kind of properties or like yeah. other things too. So honestly, it's just, they do with these metals whatever the hell they really <laughs> want. It's yeah. kind of, yeah. I mean, they're not real. Yeah, exactly. I'm just waiting for unobtainium, Adam. I'm waiting for Yeah, I know. Unobtainium. Thank you for the dumbest fucking element known to man in the history of, of science fiction. <sighs> okay. All right. Uh, I like that call. Um, I hope you're going to like my call because uh, this actor, honestly, I I haven't seen him in real life, um, but he was on the, the Wu-Tang Clan uh, miniseries that popped up. I know this guy from his voice, and he's already voiced a Marvel character, but obviously it's not in the MCU because it's uh, it's animation. Um, but I think he's got a great look, and I'd love to bring him into the MCU. I went with Shamik Moore, who is the voice of Miles of Miles Morales in oh. uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay, um, I liked his voice acting, and there's nothing to say. I mean, if he's if he's that good at voice acting, there's nothing to say he can't be. You know, yeah. those guys are actors; they tend to be doing stage stuff while they're doing it. So, and and what pulled me into it really was he has some uh, um, other. I've seen I've seen um, trailers for that Wu Tang Clan uh, um, semi uh, the miniseries and whatnot. So yeah. I was like, okay, yes. Yeah, so he's been in some live action stuff too. So he's a real actor. Um, and not to say voice actors aren't real actors. We fucking right. love voice actors on the show. Yeah, but. That really tied me to it. And as much as I love Into the Universe or Into the Spider-Verse, I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm up for it. Yeah. No, I, I'm totally behind that. I would not be I would not be upset about seeing that. Sounds good. Uh, okay. And so now we're going to move to Gwenpool, who is an interesting character. Um, much like uh, Deadpool, she does break the fourth wall. But unlike Deadpool, she was not born of Marvel 
world per se. She's basically a real world, real world person who's been sucked into the comic books. Okay, so it's not uh, it's not Gwen Stacy, isn't it? Gwen Stacy, kind of like how there was Spider Gwen, and then she be she no. Was... Um, oh, her... see, I, so that's what I thought she was. I did too for the longest time. I thought it was just Gwen Stacy as Deadpool. Because I thought it was like a you know like in in the other universes you know where they just pulled because I thought it was literally I thought okay it's Spider Gwen, but instead of she becoming Spider Gwen, she became Gwenpool, and they just kind of pulled her from one of the other, you know, one of the bajillion universes. But that wasn't the case. No. Huh. So so interesting. Um, so her her alter ego name is actually Gwendolyn Poole, P O O L E. Oh. So they just huh. that's how they do it. Um, she actually first appeared in uh, Howard the Duck number one in 2015. Ha. Huh. So, okay. They rebooted Howard the Duck and they brought her in there. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, but it's, so she's basically like, she, she has no real powers per se. She just knows how comic books work. And so she just does stuff knowing that it'll work out. Okay. So it's a little, she's a little bit weird. She is a little crazy like Deadpool. So she does share that sort of a little bit. I was hesitant when I was reading this. I'm like, God, I love Deadpool so much. I'm going to be, yeah, you know, it's Marvel ripping off themselves somehow. And, 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 and but she is kind of kooky in her own way. She's crazy. She's definitely a little crazy, but she's entertaining. She's entertaining to say the least. So I was not, I didn't end up hating her like I thought I would. Okay. So, uh, she's not a bad character. Um, she's actually blonde, so I went with a blonde actress, or at least someone who's mm-hmm. shown to be blonde. Um, this girl, she's um, uh, she's done quite a few, quite a bit of TV. Most, but as far as movies, most notably, she was in the Sin City. I think it was the sequel. I'm not sure if they made a third one, but it was a Dame to Kill. I can't remember if that was the sequel yeah. or not. Yeah, that was the yeah, sequel. Yeah, so she was in that one. Um, she was in the TV show Ozark, which apparently is getting a lot of traction. I've never seen, but I've heard a lot of people love that show. Uh, and her name is Julia Garner. Julia Gulia. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Julia Garner. Yeah, she's blonde. Very, very similar kind of age range and look to who to who I picked as well. I, I never saw the Sin City I loved Sin City. Yeah, I fucking loved it. That was a great it. one. But I never saw the sequel, and I heard not great things, so I just kind of stayed away from it. Um, okay, so she's been in she's been in a bunch of bunch of stuff. She was in Waco, The Americans, yeah, that Sin City thing. So she's she's got a lot of credit. So I'm all for her on that. Okay, cool. All right, who'd you go with? Uh, yeah, I went with an actress similar, I think, age to uh, Julia Garner. Now I thought I had the perfect casting because I didn't look up the <laughs> history of Gwenpool because I was like, you know, just I just assumed it was. I assumed I knew what it yeah. was because it just seemed like it was. Why would they name her Gwen if she has nothing to do with <laughs> Spider Gwen or Gwen Stacy? I mean, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like that is a that is just that name is taken, yeah. and so I just assumed I was so dead set and being assumed that it was Gwen Stacy, yeah. um, just from a different universe who gravitated towards Deadpool. So my actress, she actually voiced Gwen Stacy on a, a Marvel series, uh, like a like a movie series called Marvel Rising. Mm. She's been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was in that Disney show, The Descendants, um, or those movies, whatever it is. Uh, her name is Dove Cameron, and I think she's got a perfect look for it. And I was about to be like, oh, man, she, she already voiced Gwen Stacy, so like it's a perfect transition to, to Gwen Poole. But you kind of shot me down on that one. <laughs> so good. I don't know what to say, but I think I still think she's a great look. And uh, she I mean, she she's got the right she's got the right look. Uh, yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. 
I don't know her acting. I think I like her look better than the one I picked. I think she's got a little bit better of the, she's got better crazy eyes. <laughs> yeah, she's got those crazy eyes. And there's also like some pictures of her in like those kind of pigtails yeah. that are kind of similar to Gwenpool already. So it was very, that's. Oh, she was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, she was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I, I think that that I think she has like a, a perfect look that will transition to kind of crazy. Oh, I remember her in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was creepy okay. as shit. <laughs> Good. Okay. okay. So which I I, I yeah. liked her in that. I just have to excuse okay. the Agents of Shield as not being part of the MCU, even though which, it was supposed to be. But it was supposed to be. But they didn't. They, they didn't do a very if, good if job. If the of that. movies, if the movies could have just fucking acknowledged them yeah. once, it really pissed me off. Like they they tried to make us like care about Agents of Shield and Agent Carter and and For some, you know even the Netflix. Stuff. I know. I don't know what it is that uh, fight. I mean, I love. Feige's work, obviously, he's he's created a whole thing. I don't know what he had against the TV. I, I mean, because the TV was was not bad. I mean, the Netflix shows were mostly to a T great. Yes, uh, and even Agents of Shield was fun. And all you had to do was give some kind of credit, and it would have fully legitimized all of those. But they never really acknowledged no. them, and so it's just like, damn. Yeah. And even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it was always Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. referencing the movies and never once, you know, did they did they mention, oh, Phil Coulson's still alive or anything like that. They never once brought and if they just could have, it would have validated that entire fandom. Yeah. So that kind of pissed me off. I agree. So so that's why I don't think technically they're in the MCU. Uh, That's my. That's fine. I I actually uh, uh, I in this case, I think I actually like your choice better just because I just because I've seen her and I know what she can do. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right, uh, the next one is America Chavez. America Chavez is kind of an interesting character. Um, she also goes by Miss America, even though her it's just her first name is America. She's very strong, uh, so she's got human, superhuman strength, speed, that sort of thing. Um, she can fly. Okay. Also, she has uh, she has like a little star that she kind of creates. Basically, she can create a portal with it, so she can kind of she mm. can, like transport. So she often. Um, gets asked to like, hey, can you take us somewhere? And this is in the comics, she gets pissed off a lot because they're like, you just want me so I can beat stuff up and transport you everywhere. Well, yeah, that's why anybody wants any superhero. I know. <laughs> uh, but and then she also does have the uh, the relationship with Alloy, which is a sweet relationship. It, it like I said, it really people you really do need to go read. It's a short, but it's just two trades. Okay, so it's it's really worth it. I actually found it to be pretty funny and fairly sweet. It's a little kooky, a little out there. But it's fun. Okay. So uh, I looked around for at several different Latina actresses. She is a Latina. And I've settled on one who's probably a little bit older. She's about 30. She just turned 30. Um, but she looks young enough. And eh, there's nothing to say that Maverick Chavez couldn't be in her 30s. But she's been in a lot of sort of action films. Um, she was in Alita, the sort of weird mm-hmm. one. Battle Angel. Battle Angel. Uh, she's, well, she was in Hobbs and Shaw. Most notably, she was in Baby Driver. Uh, I went with the actress Aiza Gonzalez. Yeah, I... Uh, or Aiza, I'm not sure how to say her name, actually. Yeah, I like her. I think also I might have... Maybe I used her in something like a long time ago. Okay. Um, yeah, she's got a great look to her. Yeah, I liked her in Baby Driver. She was pretty badass in Baby Driver. Okay. Um, she was kind of the... the She was with John Hamm. She was kind of like her his girlfriend and and uh and kind of right hand man with like had a bunch of guns and she was pretty cool okay so yeah i didn't see hobbs and shaw because i don't give any I don't, fucks i've about... never seen a single one of the fast and furious movies never not it's not a single one i'm just not into car movies <laughs> oh and she's gonna be in godzilla vs king kong uh godzilla vs kong that's coming out uh it says this later this year but maybe maybe next year i'm not sure yeah 
Ah, cool. I- I'm I'm all for that call. Okay. Um, I went with a little younger actress, but also a Latina. She has, uh, or, or you know, of, his, of Hispanic descent. She's been in some action because she was in the recent Power Rangers movie. I, I feel like one of us cast her in something. Maybe we didn't, though, but I can't remember. But she played Trini in that one. She was the Yellow Ranger. Her name is Becky G. That's what she goes by. And uh, I, and she's my America Chavez. I don't think I've used... I don't think I've used her in anything. Okay. Okay. If you haven't, but, um, you know, uh, she's she's done some big budget action stuff, so I think uh, it would transition perfectly. Okay. Is she a singer? Yes, I think I believe she also sings. Okay, because I'm looking at her credits, and several of them say soundtrack, so that's probably why it's, it's why she goes by Becky G, because that's her music stage name. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, I know nothing of anything she's done, so she's got the right look. Okay. That's the best I got. <laughs> Sorry. She had the right. She had the right look and was in Power Rangers, and that's good enough <laughs> that's, for me. That's all I got. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay, so now we're going to do Kate Bishop. I'm obviously I'm going to go in first. I'm going to go first anyway because, not to say I copped out, but there's rumors going around of who might be Kate Bishop, and the thing is, is I I really agree with it. Yeah, she's a great call for and it. So I was like, you know what? I don't want. I I mean, I could just say I could cast someone else, but the thing is, is I would be super happy if she got it. Um, so I I just went ahead and went with uh, Haley Steinfeld because I I really think she's a about a spot-on choice. And that was the first name I wrote down because I've also heard the same rule, rumors that Marvel's really trying to court her to, to be Kate Bishop for the series. And she's who I would want as well. Yeah. So um, I I did do the latter where I was like, well, I want Haley Steinfeld, but because she's kind of such the in talks right now, yeah. I went with someone different. But ultimately, if she if Haley gets cast, that's who I want anyway. So I I wholeheartedly agree with you on that choice. Okay. In, in just just to get someone different, sure. uh, I went with uh, another brunette actress. Um, <laughs> she hasn't done as much like actiony kind of stuff like with Bumblebee that Haley Steinfeld has done. Right. But she was in the movie Love Simon. She was in Thirteen Reasons Why. And then again, she was in the movie Knives Out oh. again, which I saw kind of recently. And and so kind of that also just kind of brought her in my head. I think she's not she's not as good of a choice as Haley Steinfeld, but I think she could still do it. Uh, I went with uh, Catherine Langford. She's got the right look. She definitely has the right look. Yeah, I mean she she exactly that's uh, she has that uh, brunette. You could become uh, in you know, truth. A badass. She looks more like the comic version of Kate Bishop than Haley Steinfeld does. But no, I mean I I can't say no. I've never really seen any things. I got, I'm going to watch Knives Out soon. I want you to. Oh, she was I in really... Thirteen Reasons Why. Did you mention yes. that? Okay. Yeah, and she. Uh, I might have mentioned it, but yeah, she looks actually from like the pictures from 13 Reasons Why, she really looks like Kate Bishop to me. Just just, just kind of like that, you know, okay, cool. that teeny kind of look. So. Cool. I will. Um, so I think she would be a great call. All right, cool. I will, I'll give you that one. Cool. Um, but most importantly, John, go watch Knives Out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll do that. Maybe tonight. Yeah. That was our casting of a West Coast Avengers movie. Please join us next time for another album review episode. John and Adam go over the 90s angst-filled album title by Fiona Apple. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.
Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back.